This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I was thinking a lot about creepy oldies music uh, recently. Uh, do you guys remember that song, uh, Hey There, Little Miss Riding Hood? Uh, hey There, Little Red Riding Hood? Anyway, I'm Ben. I'm Ben. As soon as you said creepy and I knew what we were doing, Ben, I knew it was going to be that song. Yeah, I'm Noel, by the way, and he's like, you sure are looking good. You're everything that a big bad wolf could want, followed by... Oh. <laughs> We're not talking about a howl exactly today. We're talking about more of a whistle, uh, the infamous wolf whistle, also known as a cat call, which I always thought was interesting. Like uh, maybe there's a there's something to be uh, unpacked in the differentiation between a wolf whistle and a cat call. Uh, I don't know, but it all started in this incredible movie that I have not seen in its entirety. But it's called Have That uh, To Have and Have Not, uh, which is a romantic kind of drama thriller from 1944, um, which I believe was one of the earliest uh, debuts of of the incredible Lauren Bacall. 
Um, and she and Humphrey Bogart appeared across from each other in, in multiple films. But uh, there's a scene where, um, you know, they're just kind of like the sexual tension is just killing you. It's it's palpable. You can cut it with a knife. And uh, she gives him a kiss and he says, well, what would you do that for? I don't know. Why don't we play the clip? You know, you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. Yeah, you know, I've got to say, from her description, it sounds a little more simple maybe than it is because a lot of people yeah. struggle with whistling uh but i've got to ask our super producer casey pegram casey you know we didn't want to give you the nickname wolf whistle for this one and you'll see why <laughs> but have you uh have you have you seen to have and have not i believe i have yeah i think it's a howard hawks movie and i'm pretty sure i saw it at some point in college but it's been a while did you learn to whistle from watching it? No. Um, I've never been able to do that whistle. I can do regular, like, tuneful whistling pretty well, but the wolf whistle completely evades me. Oh, but that's the thing, though. This this is where it gets funny. She says, put your lips together and blow. Uh, which, you know, the wolf whistle, uh, as I think about it, is where you put your thumb and forefinger. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know how to do that. I don't even understand what it does. Is it just intense? I guess you got to modulate it somehow, I but guess. I don't know. How. I feel like it just sort of is like a little booster for a regular whistle. I, I don't know. But again, um, this scene really did, because you know, he does the whistle sound. You, you hear that in the clip and the the wolf whistle is all about the pitch modulation it's all about the wee wee you know that's it and uh it was that archetype uh that kind of created the model of what was a very fashionable thing for a while it was a sign of like hey good looking you know it's kind of flirtatious or whatever but it wouldn't be terribly long before it became uh incredibly um maligned and in poor taste and something that we think of now today the idea of catcalling is right up there with any other form of sexual harassment uh it is not okay um and it's something that women don't want to have to deal with. No question about it. But, you know, back when Bogey did it, it was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, it was it was portrayed as, you know, an aspirational cool thing to do. Kind of like how smoking cigarettes was portrayed for a long time. Um, but I like your point about the sexual harassment. We have to set that out in the very beginning. We are a history show, but right now in Le Bouche's uh, domain of France, Politicians are seriously considering a bill where they're going to fine people uh, 90 euros if they're caught wolf whistling because they want to try to combat sexual harassment. And then I, I believe there's even a British politician who's saying, let's crack down on this, on catcalling people, wolf whistling on people. Um, and, you know, if you ask anybody, it's it's around. It's been around. But I think to your question, Noel, and I love the way you did the pitch there. The question is, how did this become so charged with 
meaning? Well, I mean, I, I think it's sort of like a pop culture trope kind of thing. You think about it in cartoons. You know, you think about it in like Tex Avery cartoons or, you know, stuff from the 50s and like the Bogart movie. Like that is the period that I think of that particular version of it. But it goes farther back than that, a, a lot farther. Um, it, you know, was around in uh, ancient Rome, for example. Uh, the idea of men hissing at women, that's that's definitely a little sinister. Um, or whistling at them in, in a similar way, you know, not necessarily the same two-tone kind of structure, uh, but it definitely was a thing. Um, there was a comic playwright by the name of Plautus who wrote a play called Mercator uh, in 200 BC, and he refers to a young woman saying that when she passed through the streets, all the men would would look at her leer nod wink and whistle so you know if that's not just literally describing uh what a cat call is uh then i don't know what is yeah and you know this always thinks i've always been mystified by the motivation for cat calling or whistling to people in general like is there ever anybody who's gonna like when they're 18, they're going to say, oh, mom, dad, how did you meet? And they say, well, one day I was walking down the street, living my own life. And your father, who was who was pretty drunk, uh, whistled at me and said, hey, hot stuff. You know, you you, you look uh, your your butt looks like two bobcats in a tight sack fighting. And next thing you know, we're married in Vegas. And yeah. here you are. <laughs> And we're so happy. We're so happy together. And we love you so much. Right. Uh, and thank you for asking about our origin story. Um, yeah, it's something that... Uh, yeah, no, exactly, Ben. Like, it's like, what are, what are you after with this? It's just a flex. It's a weird flex. Uh, it's a way of saying, hey, look at me exercising some form of control over you. It's a way to make people uncomfortable um, and to kind of exercise some form of dominance, uh, in my in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, and it certainly feels that way in the Roman um, version of it, where it's a group of men uh, with a lone female passing through the streets and them trying to exercise some kind of control over her. Uh, certainly, there's no sense that they went after her, tried to physically harm her or rape her or anything, but you know, enough alcohol and enough ill will and horribleness. That certainly would be an escalation of something like that. So that's mm -hmm. part of it too. There's an implication of, Hey, we see you and uh, you better be careful or we might do something about it. You know, mm -hmm. somehow have that power over a person. It's interesting. You know, we're, we're mentioning uh Mercator merchant because for uh, still scholars are debating whether or not that's the first mention of whistling used in this way it may depend on translation but there's another theory too the idea that this again very distinct whistle may have its roots in maritime history that it may have come from sailors trying to communicate at sea yeah, they had a certain type of horn or like a pipe, I guess, uh, called a boatswain's pipe that would make what was referred to as a general call. Uh, that was a way of communicating at sea. And, the, you know, you think of sailors uh, being away at sea with no women around. They get back to, you know, shore and they're, let's just say, feeling a bit deprived of the uh, company of women, therefore perhaps acting a little, let's say, thirsty um, and, you know, uh, behaving 
poorly towards women, whether involving alcohol or otherwise. Uh, and again, I'm sure there are plenty of, you know, very uh, polite sail- sailors that would, you know, just court a woman in a, in a much more uh, gentlemanly fashion. But it certainly was rife for these kinds of rumors that, okay, the general call is is where this came from. It was a way of getting sailors' attention, uh, for them to get each other's attention. And they, some historians believe that when they docked, they would uh, do the same thing to let each other know Okay, we got a live one here. We, we spotted an attractive lady. Mm-hmm. This is controversial. Uh, there's an article in The Independent which kind of explains why politicians have been considering doing a ban of this sort. Uh, a lexicographer, Grant Barrett, has one problem with this um, wolf whistle theory. It's that, as far as he can tell, it's not true. Historians at Britain's Royal Navy and its National Maritime Museum uh, said that they had never heard of this before. They thought it would be unusual that sailors would take a specific call used for emergency situations to leer at women. But Noel, we found the uh, we found a collection of the varying whistles and calls that sailors use, and and there is one that sounds a lot like a wolf whistle, right? Well, dude, I mean, to me, it, it, it strikes me as being like the equivalent of like an air traffic controller using like hand signals to like signal a woman, you know, his interest in a woman, like bringing out his lighted like lightsaber baton things with his like orange vest on. Doing like, some semaphore. Do, doing exactly. That's the word. Uh, this would be very similar because this would have been like a, a pretty, I don't know, sacred is maybe taken a little too far, but these were sounds that they were relied on for safety and were very specific to different conditions and, you know, different uh, navigational um, maneuvers that they would need to make, etc. So the idea that they would have taken one of uh, a lexicon of these sounds and used that uh, on land to kind of leer at a woman just doesn't make a lot of sense, though there is one of them that does resemble that classic wolf whistle sound that we heard Humphrey Bogart do. Let's let's hear that one real quick. It's for the uh, maneuver of turn two. Okay. I mean, yeah, that I can see why you would think like people would think that it makes sense to me. It's logical, right? It does. And, and I have to run through the rest of these because they're all so cool sounding. We've got a Judithan's call, all hands, you know, that one belay, heave around mess call. I'm assuming that's food. Pass the word piping the side. I like that one. Um, secure general quarters, which I guess would mean, stay inside sweepers then we've got turn two which was our wolfy sound and then these are these are a series of veers maybe you can fill me in on this ben or, or offer some conjecture that's v-i-e-r-s and there are four varieties eight side boys four side boys six side boys and two side boys and again you can find all of these at archive.org uh, if you are in the maritime industry i'd love to hear if, whether these are still in use uh, and, uh, you know, t- tell us more weird stories about life on the boat. And what's up with them boys? What, I, I, that's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're always concerned with them boys. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. 
This is important stuff. Your team can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off the That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. There's one question we have not addressed in this. If it did come you know, from a maritime source, if it, uh, whatever its origin may be, how did it become called a wolf whistle? John Lucas, who penned A Brief History of Whistling, another very specific expert. He's in it. Yes, exactly. He's like <laughs> the guy for whistles. Yeah. He has his own theory, and it is this. He said he was talking with uh, an elderly shepherd, and the shepherd you know, was also an expert in herding sheep. And this guy told him that he trained sheepdogs and he has a bunch of calls for the Mm -hmm. sheepdogs. Mm -hmm. And that one of those sounds exactly like a wolf whistle. And then John Lucas apparently said, that's kind of politically incorrect. And then he said, no, 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 it's, it's kosher. It's from Albania. That's right. Um, He explained that in the mountains of Southern Europe, shepherds have used this tone, this two notes 
for centuries to communicate with their dogs uh, and let them know whenever wolves appeared. You could train a dog to respond to a particular set of tones. We know that. You can make them drool when you blow. Isn't that a whistle? A bell. That was a bell with the Pavlov dog situation. Yeah. So again, you can absolutely like, you know, condition a dog to respond uh, or to be aware of what a certain sound means. And the key was, and honestly, as a sort of a sound nerd, I guess, modulating sound causes it to carry better. So if you have like the high, low, it gives you these like two opportunities to catch the sound kind of, if that makes sense. I'm not being super scientific about it, but this, this proved to be true. It would carry for miles. Uh, and, and especially in the open plains of like, you know, pastures of, of sheep grazing uh, lands or, or what have you. Um, and so there we go. I feel like we can put that one to bed as well. So this wasn't a wolf whistle per se. It was more a whistle, not a whistle that a wolf would do a wolf being sort of like a, like a cartoonish stand in for like a, you know, bad guy, right? Like a, a dog sleaze bag, a sleaze <laughs> bag. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know. Wolves. I understand calling somebody a dog. Dogs are nice. This We're talking about dogs here. Dogs protecting the dogs against the wolves with the wolf whistle. Um, so it, it does get confusing and it's uh, easy to insert your own interpretation when things just fit so closely. I mean, even that boat Wayne's call had me going because it Ooh. sure sounds the same, but when you look at the motivation behind it or what it would have taken, you know, to, uh, kind of what's the word co-op that mm-hmm. it starts to feel a little questionable right yeah exactly and and john lucas says that he saw this for himself when he was a kid in world war ii uh because there would be a lot of soldiers from the u.s who would hang around and, and try to whistle at women who were going in and out of like church halls and social buildings and if we could i'd love to do just a a, a quick reenactment of a actual facts, as our pal Lauren Vogelbaum would say, newsreel about wolf whistling. It's a report from July 5th, 1945. It sometimes takes a little bit of coaxing, but mostly these men of the six corps enjoy the swanky swimming hole on their day off. Nestled amongst the peaks of the Austrian Tyrol, it offers rest and relaxation to war-weary vets whose duties have become less pressing since VE Day. I'm sorry, what is VE Day? Oh, uh, it's Victory in Europe Day. Ah, yes. And what is he pointing at? Just one guess. But the girl he left behind can rest easily, because as these signal call pictures show, the non-fraternization order is still in effect. Tyrolean gals are mighty enticing, and all a wolf can do is howl. But maybe when the tourist trade opens up again. Wee woo! I can't really do it. I just gotta make the sound. Uh, but <laughs> it, that, that, is an, that is part of it. G.I. wolf whistles, baby. Oh, and I did learn the, uh, I did learn the science of it. Which is actually, it's funny to explain because it sounds really simple. You take your lips and you kind of go like this. You tuck your lips back around uh, your teeth uh-huh. and let them hang loose. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. And uh. then you can you choose a set of fingers. Either you could do your index, your middle, your pinky, whatever speaks to you. Yeah. And you put them together so that there's no, like. That's not happening for me. There's like a tiny gap oh, between okay. the fingers. Oh. Mm-hmm. I push your tongue out. <laughs> how, how is this going to translate, Casey? I push your tongue out so it's like one centimeter behind your teeth. I kind of pop your tongue up and you try to blow the air through that gap over uh, the top of your tongue. No, no, can't, can't, can't do it. Can't do it, Ben. And I really hope we didn't gross everybody out with all our mouth sounds. Are you, are you doing it? Can you do it? 
Uh, not yet, but I am, uh, I'm going to try to learn it. I, okay. I, I'm going to okay. try, but anyway, so there is a way to do it, but we're, what, what we're establishing with that is it's the same kind of whistle all the way through from ancient, probably ancient Rome up through world war two. But for most of us, well, I don't want to make assumptions, but for many of us listening, definitely all three of us, the the first um, the first image that comes to our mind when we think of wolf whistles is, like you said at the top, Noel, cartoons. Not all of which have aged well. Pepe Le Pew is a real creep. Yeah, he's basically like a kind of a low key stalker who, uh, you know, he's he's so gentle and kind of nonchalant about it that it, you know, it takes you a minute to wrap your head around the fact that he's just kind of like a serial killer, like he's just relentless. He's like a Terminator type figure. But yeah, no, the cartoons of Tex Avery. Some of those haven't aged particularly well either, and that's because they're taking a lot of the cues from their sexist and often racist uh, times in which they were around. 1937, for example, in Little Red Walking Hood, uh, in one of Avery's cartoons, where his iconic wolf figure, which we you see it in in memes and and gifs a lot, where his tongue rolls out of his mouth because he's oogling at some you know pretty lady and his eyes pop out and all that stuff. It's just this kind of the nature of it is that he's completely unhinged out of control of any of his uh, bodily uh, desires. Right. And is going to stop at nothing to have said woman. Right. Uh, That doesn't happen like on camera or in frame, but yeah, it's definitely a thing. And it's, it's very, uh, it's hard to watch, honestly, Uh, but the animation is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, well, that's, this is the fascinating part about this, right? So many of us understand it in the context of depictions and cartoons, right? But Little Red Walking Hood, which you, which you mentioned, is pivotal here because I think it's the first time Tex Avery had depicted a cartoon wolf whistling, uh, and he, he chases the protagonist around until someone knocks him over the head with a hammer and... This is clearly supposed to be justice being served, right? You're the audience. You're supposed to be happy that this wolf creature got his comeuppance. Uh, and, And according to analysts, that's because in the 1930s, it was not considered a good thing to be a Lothario, a ladies' man, uh, you know, um, any other word you want to put in there. And it only later evolved over the next few decades to something like a positive image which is weird to me that they started out um, not glorifying this. You know, I didn't know that, Ben. That's interesting to me. So he really is kind of considered the villain in some of these cartoons. And I always thought it was just kind of normalizing that behavior. But that's uh, that's that's interesting. And a lot of this you can read about uh, Pierre Floquet, who wrote the uh, the comic language of Tex Avery. Um, he he you know, knows the man in and out and he knows all of the nuances of his uh, career and, you know, his contributions to, you know, tropes like this. Um, and it's crazy. I was getting a little confused because there's another red, red hood character uh, in 1943. Avery did red hot riding hood. Uh, obviously things were, you know, getting a little more risque uh, and, 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 you know, it's super 
um, creative. It, it It's the kind of things that you see like depicted in like who framed Roger rabbit, like that style of things where, you know, it, there's this weird kind of self mutilation kind of vibe where the wolf is. So I'm just going to say it horny for this, you know, attractive uh, kind of Betty Boop, uh, Jessica rabbit esque little red riding hood character that he's trying to like bash himself repeatedly over the hammer to knock himself out. So he doesn't like do a bad thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like it feels like he's trying to numb his senses. So he won't just rape this character. Like it's, it's pretty insane. Yeah. It's troubling. Um, Technically the animation though is, is very well done. It's like hand drawn and stuff. It's, it's an iconic scene. Even if you feel like you have not seen it, you have seen some version of it. It occurs, of course, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It occurs in countless cartoons after 1943. It's also in, and I thought of this too, it's also in The Mask starring Jim Carrey. I love the comic books. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again, though. I'm not sure how it aged. I'll watch, you know what? I'll watch one clip on YouTube. Ben, somebody needs to stop you. Is it that bad? The mask again. No, that's just, that was his like catchphrase. Somebody (laughs) stop me from watching the mask again. I remember seeing in theaters the first time you ever saw Cameron Diaz. And she was also like, see, that's the thing. The thing about the, the little red riding hood character in red hot riding hood is she is, she is a sex object. That is how she is depicted and nothing else. She is meant to be like busty and sexy and it's kind of scantily clad. And the wolf just loses his mind. And that's what happens in the mask as well with, uh, with the, the Cameron Diaz character. She's wearing this crazy, like low cut, you know, uh, kind of Vegas showgirl type skirt. And he just, you know, his heart starts beating out of his chest and all of that stuff is from the Tex Avery tropes. But yeah, it's, it's super troubling and definitely doesn't age well. Um, and likely was uh, just as responsible for Humphrey Bogart uh, in popularizing this as a kind of Lothario-esque kind of move. But the thing is, the Humphrey Bogart scene, what's really interesting about that is the Lauren McCall character is super empowered. Like she sits in his lap on her own and she kisses him without permission and then does it a second time. Uh, and, And she has complete control in that situation. So it's very, very different. Uh, and when he whistles after her, she has kind of baited him into doing it. So again, very different. There's a lot more consent between these two characters than there would be a traditional, you know, cat call or even this cartoon depiction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. This episode of ridiculous history is brought to you by Uber teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. 
It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated, experienced drivers, and you receive those real-time notifications, as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents, plus you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising, one with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Uh, just to give you a sense of how sexualized this Tex Avery cartoon is, again, that's the Red Hot Riding Hood, uh, it ran into trouble with censors in the beginning. Uh, and now, uh, the author you mentioned earlier, Noel, now, uh, now people believe it was only able to be shown on screen because the U.S. military wanted cartoons like it. There's a fascinating theory here. Fluquet says, if you increase the libido or, you know, the thirstiness of soldiers by watching cartoons, they'll get frustrated. If they get frustrated, they become more aggressive. And if they become more aggressive, that's the logic here, they become better soldiers. And, you know, this is apparently the gist of what army commissioners said when they were, you know, describing what they wanted wartime cartoons to do. And the last note on Red Hot Riding Hood, it was seen by so many U.S. soldiers and by so many kids in the U.S. that if they weren't already, you know, thinking of wolf whistles as cool, they were now. And that's why the first mention of wolf whistling comes in a newspaper in 1944. But if we are being fair, we have to tell you about something that I, I don't know about you guys. It blew my mind. I had never heard of this. There is apparently a, uh, an equivalent to a wolf whistle, but from the other side of the sexual divide. Yeah, it's called the slurp. 
<laughs> and it was reported on uh, in February 1944 in the Fresno B, um, where it says that a group of Fulton Street scientists report that at last they have identified and isolated the female version of the wolf whistle that often heard call used by men of the armed forces when their trail crosses that of the opposite sex. For certain reasons, this group of scientists do not want their names published. I wonder why. Uh, it seems unnecessary to add that their research was undertaken for no particular reason. This sounds like an Onion article to me. Uh, other Anyone can think of. They call this female answer of the wolf whistle the slurp. The slurp is defined as a soft female noise made with the teeth, tongue, and lips, which sounds exactly as it is spelled, uh, and which sometimes, but not always, means Roger? As in, like, yeah, I... Oh, like whist, Roger. Whistle, like, like, whistle heard and copy that, bro. Mm-hmm. Is it like that? Is it like a click, click? I do, Casey, uh, you know, behind the curtain here. I cannot find any like documentation of this. Yeah. <laughs> you're the you're the person who, uh, off mic. Uh, I think both. Well, I misspoke. I thought it was. I had something completely different in mind. Oh, okay. Than the way this is described, okay. so I don't know. I cannot corroborate any of this. Okay, because because when we were talking about this uh, earlier, he said, um, "Oh yeah, the slurp." <laughs> yeah, in case he got so excited, you were like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." Well, we were talking about especially like cartoon sounds. I can think of a few. I don't know, almost like the Hannibal Lecter thing or whatever. Oh, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what popped in my head. I did not. Whatever this thing is, is something else. Can you imagine cat calling? Like, can you imagine if uh, one of these guys had put out a wolf whistle and uh, the person who's whistling at hit him back with that Hannibal Lecter? Fava beans and Chianti, you know, I wonder how that would go. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy though. There is a screenshot of this page, uh, the Fresno B article. Uh, it makes you pay money to look at it in full screen, but I can see, uh, that this article that's being referenced here in, in our materials is, uh, is, is, is a thing. Maybe it's some kind of satire. I don't know. I certainly had never heard of the slurp. So perhaps let's not report this as though this were actual facts a thing. Because now that we're Googling it, uh, it doesn't seem to be much uh, to back this up. But I like the idea of the existence of a, of a female equivalent to the wolf whistle. Yeah, fight the power. Uh, we do also have records of wolf whistling being so popular. There were whistling contests. Uh, it was even used once as sort of a talent portion of a beauty pageant type thing. Uh, when 17-year-old Janice Norse on September 1944 uh, won the title Miss Sheboygan, uh, due in part to her incredibly piercing wolf whistle. Fascinating. I, I'm a big fan of uh, precision whistling. You know, this wolf whistle thing is a little bit more of like a blunt instrument. Uh, but, you know, if you think about like Snow White, uh, her ability to whistle like, you know, in this really melodic kind of polyphonic almost kind of way. Um, there is an Atlanta artist or formerly of Atlanta. She lives in Los Angeles now, but her name's um, Adron. Uh, and, and she has this ability to do these like just super precise whistled um, sections in a lot of her music. I, I, I highly recommend checking her out if you want to hear some really cool, non-offensive <laughs> whistling. Uh, how about Andrew Bird, man? We got to give it up for him, too. I love whistling in music. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you may be asking yourself, whither the wolf whistle? Where did it go? Because you don't hear it as much now, I would imagine. You, see, you still see it pop up in fiction, uh, but 
it seems like, according to a couple of the people we mentioned earlier, um, it started dying out in the 1970s because uh, partially the rise of feminism, prosecuting for women's rights. Hey, I shouldn't be harassed just because I'm walking to the store. Uh, and then people started seeing it as uncool, as a more demeaning uh, thing to do to other people. And now one of the big debates is how will it be depicted in the future? I mean, what do you think? I I remember this whistle occurring in things like The Mask and, and things like, um, you know, cartoons, but not any recent ones. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely used in like, you know, I think probably uh, the way it's used now is is to to seem dated or to in some way kind of create like an atmosphere. Even the way it was used in movies originally, it, I, there was, I can't remember which uh, writer in our, our research materials said this, but the idea was to um, very quickly convey some things about a character, either uh, kind of trashy sort of like, you know, Lothario-ness or uh, flirtation or sometimes both, you know, and it was it was a very quick way of expressing that. As it was done in the movie Grease, there's um, the uses of wolf whistles in Grease to kind of help create that vibe of like the 50s. But again, that's a movie that was made in the late 70s that was a period piece about the 50s and it's a musical, obviously. So that makes sense to use it in that way. Or in Legally Blonde, for example, it's used for kind of like a, a, a gag in, in which Reese Witherspoon's character talks about how she's comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. And then a man wolf whistles and she says, I object. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely something that has been absolutely canceled because of the Me Too movement and uh, just a lot more forward momentum in, you know, not tolerating with any of the kind of sexism or uh, implied, you know, dominance of men over women that we were talking about in the top of the show. That's just not a thing that people are okay with anymore. I mean, at least the people that <laughs> that I know, uh, and, and it's becoming less and less possible to carry on this kind of behavior and not just be completely shocked shut down uh, with how quickly things can spread on the internet. And that is why, uh, that is why super producer Casey Pegram did not want to give you the albatross of the nickname Wolf Whistle. It, it felt like a condemnation uh, and an undeserved one. And hey, you know, maybe that's the reason the three of us don't know how to do it because we because of the time we were raised in, um, which, which I think is fine. I'm sure there are plenty of other amazing whistles you can learn uh, and watch and hear in music and story and song. Uh, but this was this was pretty eye-opening to me. I'm glad we did this one, man. Me too. Yeah, it's definitely not something I really think about because it does feel like such a dated thing. Uh, but it really is, you know, there are people still uh, in the – me too kind of discussions or just in general about like, you know, not treating women like trash. Uh, the idea of cat calling is still very much a thing. And that's just sort of an escalation of the wolf whistle, just using words, just what like unsolicited comments about women's bodies or just about, you know, their existence uh, in terms of how it would benefit men. So yeah, wolf whistling still exists, uh, at least in terms of the escalation or just like a more rhetorical version of it, where people are shouting out at women from across the street. That's the idea is just a loud, unsolicited uh, advance, let's say. Uh, but back in the fifties and stuff, it was considered good, clean fun. And it'd be like, Hey, come on. What, you don't have a sense of humor. Like uh, just uh, doesn't, mean anything. Mm. 
And we want to hear your experience, your opinion on this. If you are a person with a talent for uh, for for whistling, I was trying to think of a cooler way to say it. If you are, if you are a, a whistler yourself, uh, we'd love to hear some of your input on whistles, the history of whistles. Uh, at this point, I'm just saying the word whistle because it's as fun as saying Sheboygan. Anyhow, thank you as always to Gabe Luzier, who refuses to tell us how to pronounce his last name. And of course, thank you to super producer Casey Pegram. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme, Christopher Hasiotis, Oso here in spirit, Jonathan Strickland, that notorious and devious quizster. Uh, hope to have you back soon, buddy. Uh, or, you know, maybe die in a fire. Uh, no, don't do that. We love you. We want to have you back. And you will be back soon because it's really not up to us. Um, you just kind of pop up whenever you pop up. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't popped up now because I'm talking about you so long, but I'm going to stop. Oh, yeah, we got to sew it up before he gets here. Oh, oh man. Okay. Also, uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. We love to recommend our Facebook group. It is Ridiculous Historians. Check it out. You'll see some uh, top tier memes and some great discussion. You can also follow us as individuals on the internet. I am at Ben Bolin on Instagram and at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter. And you can find me exclusively on Instagram at How Now Noel Brown. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com.